was born upon a hillside where the pines sing in the wind where my daddy lived before me and my I'll take up now for what Papa told me and what Grandma told me, that uh, they lived in out of Nolanville, uh, close to Colleen on Nolan Creek. And Grandpa was uh, James K. Polk Shelton, was a country doctor. And, of course, he had his horse, and he rode the, the trails to make a living. And he didn't make a very good living. And uh, Uncle Ed, my Edgar Poe Shelton, was Papa's older brother. And they lived there, and I think about that time uh, Aunt Minnie, Minnie Fossilman, was born, and Uncle Horace, because Grandpa didn't live long after this incident in Nolanville. But Papa said that as a little boy, well, uh, Grandpa would take, get his horse and ride to Belton on Saturdays. That was the big day, and, and Grandpa was an alcoholic. And he was the kind of an alcoholic that could smell a cork, and that was the end of him. He couldn't walk out the door after he'd smelled a cork. He couldn't drink whiskey, but he insisted on doing so. So Papa would, as a little boy, around eight or nine years old, he would beg his daddy to let him ride to Belton on Saturdays to see the lights. Of course, there wasn't any lights until dark, and they were candle lights, but it was the only lights they had of that kind that was not drab. And so Papa said he would get on a horse with Grandpa, and uh, Grandpa would be in the front, of course, and Papa would be straddling the horse in the back, and they'd ride to Belton. And Grandpa was about, <clears throat> he weighed about 250 pounds. He was a huge man. And he was like my brother Harold and my cousin Vaughn Shelton. They took after Grandpa. But he was a huge man. And he'd go into the saloon there in Belton, and of course he'd get plied with liquor, and he'd get to where he couldn't, he couldn't walk. And uh, about dark, or, or a little before dark, whenever Grandpa couldn't make it any further, well, Papa would be sitting out in front of the saloon. They wouldn't let little boys in the saloon, but they'd be sitting out in front of the saloon waiting for Grandpa to be drug out. And Papa said on each Saturday that he went in there that Grandpa would be drug out by the boy, and they'd try to help him, and they'd put Grandpa on his, on his saddle, saddle on his horse, and lay him crossways on his belly, because he couldn't get him sitting up, he'd fall off. And so there was Papa, a little boy, eight or nine years old, and he would have to uh, drive uh, this 10 or 15 miles out to Nolanville, uh, on Nolan Creek, uh, to take Grandpa home, and said that, of course, as, uh, he's, he'd sit in the back of the saddle and Grandpa was sitting in the front of it, uh, laying across it in the front, and they'd get out to Nolan Creek from Belton and had to cross that to go home. Well, the horse always would uh, get his last drink before he caught the last water he was going to get till he got home. So he'd bend over to, to take a drink out of Nolan Creek, and when he did, well, it was just enough of a, of a leverage to pitch Grandpa off in the water. And Papa said he remembered on several occasions as a little boy he struggled in that water trying to get the old man sopping wet back up and bellied over across the saddle again. And by the time he got it done, well, he'd swear that he's never going to come to town with Grandpa again. <clears throat> he was not going through that experience again. But he said by the time Grandpa took a notion to come back the following Saturday or the f Saturday after that, whenever it was, it, that uh, the life of the city beckoned him and he'd go along. But that was a terrible experience. And it's such a terrible experience and Grandpa's <clears throat> alcoholism was such that it, none of his children ever took a drink of liquor. Papa never had it in our house, never permitted it in our house. Uncle Ed never did. Uncle Horace may have t made a sip once in a while, but he, he, was, he was against liquor. And, of course, my grandmother, who had to live with that man, 
she was totally against it and she was just mean about it and she'd say nasty things to us about anybody drank like it when she'd come visit with us now we'll get back to the question of Uncle Sam Papa does remember Uncle Sam so he must not have died in 1874 because Papa said on several occasions that Uncle Sam had a pretty bad reputation in, in Belton he was he was a uh, He'd shoot the lights out of the windows out of the out of the courthouse when he'd get drunk and ride up down the street and shoot his pistol off and and he was mean enough to where a lot of people were were afraid of him and so uh, on one or two occasions Papa said that uh, they'd be at home at night say at nine or ten o'clock at, at night out at Nolanville and and they'd hear some horses are running down the lane coming down toward the house and Papa said little fella that he was and they'd all uh, get that to the door to see what was going to happen and said Uncle Sam would. Uh, jump off at the gate. They had a little picket fence of some kind around the house and Uncle Sam would jump off of the, at the gate and slap his horse on the butt and run him out in the pasture and he'd run through the gate and come to the door where Grandpa was and, and uh, want to go back and hide in the house there. He said the posse was after him. And uh, Papa said uh, they'd, all the lights would be out. They'd made like they'd been asleep all night. They'd cut the lamp out in about five minutes they could hear the posse coming, the sheriff with four or five other men and they'd come up to the gate and call out, you know, and Grandpa would make like he'd been sound asleep, and he'd come to the door and say, who is it? And this man said, it's the sheriff, said, uh, we've been chasing Sam out this direction, and we've got to arrest him and got a warrant for him here, and we want to know if he's in the house there. And Grandpa would say, well, now, Sheriff, I'm not sure, said, I've been asleep, but said, now, if you want to come in and look around, you come on in and look around and see if you can find Sam. Well, the sheriff wasn't about to get his nose in that door. He knew Sam would blow it off, so they had done their duty. They had chased Sam all the way home, which was a, a secondary home uh, out there, and so then they'd go back. Well, by the time Sam went back to town the next week, well, everything had blowed over, except here's what happened. Uh, Papa says he remembers it, and so it must have been after, uh, after 1874, it's my idea. But anyway, Uncle Sam got uh, caught uh, short one day in, in, the, in the town there and his uh, brother Terrell or his cousin Terrell was a little fella and uh, just a little teenager and he went to town with Sam just to, like Papa did with Grandpa to see the sights and to, and to have a little excitement and so Sam the boys got the drop on Sam and he'd been mistreating everybody around there and so they arrested him they took his pistol away from him put him in this just jail I'm talking about a little old room at about six uh, to ten feet uh, square and just had one entrance to it and they put, uh, little Terrell didn't have anywhere to go, so they put Terrell in there with his brother, so to speak, or his, his kinsman. And there they sat. Well, the boys went back over and got to drinking a little bit, and they thought, well, it's about time to clean up them all. Now, this is the story Grandma tells about this uh, slaughter in the head. She said there were about <clears throat> 11 to 13 men in jail there, and half of them for misdemeanors, and some of them were murders, and some of them were just all of them were in one jail. And the boys decided they would just clean it up. And so about dark, they came over to the jail and had the keys and they let it be known to the inmates of the jail that they were going to take them all out and hang them. Well, Uncle Sam was in the jail and he made a deal with the mob that uh, since Little Terrell was certainly not a criminal and hadn't done anything to be hung for, that, that if they let him go, that, that he would be willing to go out with them and with the other men be hung. But he said, if you all don't let Terrell go, said, I've got my boots in here and they got spurred on them. And he said, I'm going to stand in this door and I'm going to kill three or four of you as you come through that door. Will you? I'm going to beat you to death with these spurs on my boots. So they made a deal with Sam and he gave up. And the other prisoners all went. And Grandma said they took them out on the hill where Baylor Belton College is now and they strung them up on a limb out there. Now that is too close to 
uh, it's a reasonable facsimile of what Mrs. Atchison wrote in her book about the murder of these nine men in the jail. But that was my grandma's version of it. And Uncle Sam uh, was hung. But I do know this, that Uncle Sam was hung. And it didn't sit well with Grandpa. Now, Grandpa took, on, uh, took it upon himself to start uh, decimating the men that he knew <coughs> or in the mob that hung Uncle Sam. And there was no secret about it. Everybody knew who they were. They didn't wear masks. And one or two or three of them started disappearing, and they couldn't find the bodies. And they, they, uh, of course, there were other people who had motives to kill these men also. They were members of that mob. But Grandpa, the finger pointed mostly to Grandpa. So finally they got enough circumstantial evidence to where on one of the killings that they had Grandpa indicted. And he had to go to trial for murder, uh, murdering one of these men that uh, hung Uncle Sam. And he got a lawyer uh, from Dallas to represent him. The man was the best criminal lawyer in Texas at that time, and his name was Horace Chilton. And so uh, Horace Chilton later became United States Senator from Texas. But that must have been before Uncle Horace was born, because when uh, Uncle Horace was born, Grandpa had already had his trial, and he was in debt to Horace Chilton. And not having any money to pay Horace Chilton, he named his youngest son or his youngest child after his good lawyer. And that's the way Uncle Horace got his number and got his name. And that was Horace Shelton, and he's named after Horace Chilton, Grandpa's lawyer, who later became United States Senator from Texas. Needless to say, after Grandpa was cleared of his murder indictment, that didn't make it right with the other members of that mob that were still waiting for somebody to come around and kill them in the middle of the night. And it was a, what you'd call a feud. And Grandpa knew that he was personam non gratum in that area, and so he had to do something about leaving. And uh, Grandma made this statement that Grandpa disappeared. He told the people around there that he was going to Mexico and joined the Mexican army. I don't know whether that had done Maximilian's time or not. I think it might have been a little, a little after Maximilian's time. But anyway, he was going to, going to leave. And uh, my brother Edgar says Grandma told her that after he had disappeared, that one night uh, uh, a man... A voice and it come by the house and and spoke through the window to Grandma and told her that he was going to leave and go to go to Mexico and, and she'd never see him again, and so anyway he got, he disappeared. Grandpa disappeared, and Grandma was left on her own with four children. As Uncle Ed, the oldest boy, and he must have been ten or twelve years old maybe then, and Papa, several years younger, and then Aunt Minnie and Uncle Horace. They were all the children, and so Grandma became a school teacher. And she'd had a little old one-room country school out there close to Colleen, Texas, where Colleen is now in that, in that prayer land. And she had a little one-room log house that they lived in with a stove in the middle of it. They had uh, one window in it and a door. And the window did not have any metal hinges. It had old strap hinges, leather strap hinges to keep it closed at night. And they spent one whole winter in this one-room house while she was teaching school in the daytime. And Papa tells me the story, or told us the story around the, our fireside when uh, we were younger about some of the tales that, that they, the experiences they had. And he said that on several nights during that winter that they lived in that little little house that wolves would attack the house and they'd get up and, and howl right outside the door in the window and they'd, the, the window was not fastened real well, but they had a wire or strap of some kind to tie it on the inside to, to something they could hold on to it, but the wolves would put their nose uh, under the bats there, the old wooden bats, and try to prize this uh, this uh, window uh, open. They didn't have any glass windows. It was just a, an old bat. It had. Uh